Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, this morning I want to ask you, if you would, to dive into God's Word on the side screens and read some Scripture with me, okay? Now, this is how we're going to do it. I, I'm going to read that which is not in bold letters. Thank you so much. Look at you, sweetie. Thank you. Uh-huh. Appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Extra. <clears throat> There's very few people I would trust with that job. You're one of them. Wouldn't trust anybody on this side. <laughs> just saying. So here's what I want you to do. I want you just to read some scripture with me, and uh, we're going to slow it down, and I want you to let the word of God resonate in your life, okay? So let's throw up 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to ask you, and we're going to do it slowly, I'm going to ask you to read the bold part, okay? So I'll take the first part. This is Paul writing Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, meaning every one of us are to know this scripture, okay? We are to know what this is talking about. It says this, it says, you should know this, okay? And then God's about to tell me and you what we should know. But he's telling it to Timothy, Paul writes it down, here it is, and let's look at it together, everybody together now. In the last days there will be... I think it might be the last days yet. Okay. All right. Four, and here we go together again. People will love only themselves. Oh, have we seen any of that? And their money, and they will be boastful and proud, everybody, scoffing at the word scoff is not a word we use very often. It comes from the root word scorn, which means to show a lack of respect. That's what it means. It means to show just distaste and a lack of respect. Not just to have it, but to show it. Have we seen any of that? Yeah. Well, it's last day stuff. And then it says disobedient to their parents and un ungrateful. Come on now. They will consider... Nothing sacred. Well, there you go. They will be unloving and unforgiving, everybody. They will slander others and have no... People just saying anything they want to say about anybody and not having to stand up for it. Seen any of that? Seen anybody going to jail lately or being, being, being uh, uh, sued lately for anything that they've said that they just made up off the top of their head to hurt somebody else? Huh, last day stuff. It said um, they will be cruel and come on, and what? Hate. Oh, man. All right, come on, give me the next one. They will betray their friends. They're going to be reckless. They're going to be puffed up with pride. They're going to love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly, everybody. Stay away from people like that. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that something? How are we to treat people like that? They're not to be in your circle. That's what he said. And he said, this is what you should know. All right, here we go. Give me the next verse, if you would. Mm-hmm. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. So here we are. We're coming into the last days. 
And God says to us as his kids, yeah, we're to talk to God about his love in the morning, his faithfulness in the evening. Everybody, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. There's a reason we start our services the way we start them. God tells us to, right? There's a reason we have coffee with God in the morning. Uh, God tells us to. There's a reason we fall asleep at night praying to him, thanking him for the day. God, he, he tells us to. Oh, Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not. No, only a fool would not understand this. Though, here we go. The wicked sprout like weeds, and evildoers flourish. They will be destroyed forever. Next verse. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered, everybody. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with finest oil. Everybody, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong. That's interesting to me. I mean, when everything else is going bad, the godly are getting better. When the world's getting weaker, the godly are getting stronger. There you go. When the world's getting worse, the godly are getting better. So it's not like we're going down with the ship. We're getting better and stronger along the way because we're anointed for it like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. One of my favorite verses is coming up at 59 years of age. Here it is. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Everybody in here over 55 years of age needs to say amen right there. We're getting better with time. We're like wine. We're getting better with time. They will declare, here it is, the Lord is just he is my rock. Again, he is my rock. One more time. He is my rock. Wow. There it is. Well, if that's the case, then let me give you the title of today's message right here on the side screen. Come on. God's got your back. God's got your back. So you say the world's getting worse. Economy's doing whatever it's going to do. It's always jumped up and down. But when it comes to the children of God, God, God's got our back. So when you're wondering about what you should do, knowing that these are the end times, and let me, just, let me just tell you this very honestly. I believe we're living in the last days. I don't care if you've heard it before. I, I asked God and had a conversation with him about this, and he hadn't given me a time frame, and he hadn't given anybody else one, but he does tell us, here's some things you should know, and they're obvious, they're obvious. Uh, God wants us to keep doing what God wants us to do, but I believe with all my heart um, it's very possible that God could come back while we're, on, we're still alive. We really are. And after my heart attack, I asked God, I said, God, if you're planning on coming back in the next 10, 15 years, I'd like to be here for that. I don't want Ann to be here. But I want to be in the fight when he comes back. Now, God, if you're coming back in the next 100 or 150 years, I'm good with going home. But if it's going to be soon, I'd like to be in on that fight. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Look at it with me if you would on the side screen. Hebrews 13. I skipped it a minute ago, guys. Did you find it? Everybody, again, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Here it is. For God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say this with confidence. And here we go. The Lord is my helper, so I have no fear. God, God's got your back. little refresher on the background. First of all, you remember the first, the first king of Israel? His name was what? Saul. He died in battle. The second king was God's man, right? He was the eighth son of Jesse. What was his name? David wrote a lot of the Psalms. David was a great, you know how old he was when he died? The Bible said he died of old age. You know how old he was? He was 70. Who was his son? Son of Solomon. 
Everybody remember Solomon? Solomon did it all, had it all, bought it all. He had 1,000 women. Solomon is the example to all of us that don't waste your life going after all these things that you think might make you happy. Solomon had a lot of money, so Solomon had a lot of women. How many? 400 wives, 600 concubines. 1,000 women Solomon had. You better be rich if you've got 1,000 women. But he had everything else. And at the end of it, Solomon said this. Well, first of all, Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon in his 20s. He wrote the Proverbs or assembled them together in his 40s and 50s. And in his 70s, he put together the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he wraps up life by telling us a couple things. Love the wife of your youth. Love her. It's about her. It's about God. And it's about enjoying the work that you do. Boom. There it is. The three keys to happiness. And he also says this. He says in and you'll know this is true, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that life's going to come to you in seasons, right? And if you've lived any period of time whatsoever, you know there was a season when you got married, a season when you had kids, a season when the kids went to school, a season when the kids went out of the house, a season when the kids came back with more kids. Life comes to us in seasons. But what you don't see in chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes is the transition time between the seasons. Now, focus. You know that you're going to go from being single to being married, if that is your will and that's what God wants for your life and that's your heart's desire. But it's that time when you're not dating anybody where you have a desire to be married, which is a transitional time between the season of being single and the season of being married. There's a time when your kids are going to move out of the house and you're going to experience the blessed heaven on earth called the empty nest syndrome. But when they first move out and you're looking at leftover stuff from your kids, there is going to be a sadness that overwhelms you for a very short transitional time before you hit that heavenly bliss of working into that empty nesting time. There are times when you're going to change jobs, change your career, this income is gone, this way of provision is out, and now all of a sudden you are right between paychecks, right between jobs, and that transitional period between seasons can be scary, okay? When something stops and before something starts back up, okay? And it is in that time that God tests us and tries our faith more than any other time in our life. Well, transitional period, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you. Here's the blessed God's got your back verse, as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So Moses is dead, new leader on the scene, 40 years in the wilderness, and Joshua now is moving his people forward, and this is how he does it. Joshua 1, 11, pass, prepare, possess. Pass, prepare, possess. And if you're in a time when something has stopped in your life, and I don't know exactly who this is for. But it could be any area of you in your life where you were counting on something, but it stopped. They stopped. It stopped. That stopped, whatever it was. But you know that God is trying to get you into that next season of your life. You are not to spend that transitional period in 40 years. It is supposed to be a very brief time of going from this thing that was working to that thing that is working better. Whether that's your marriage, your finances, your work, your job, your emotions, it doesn't make any difference. Whatever it is when you're going from one season to the next, it is to be a very quick transitional period in your life. And this is how you make it happen. You pass, you prepare, 
and you possess. Pass through the camp. That's what he said. Pass through the host. Pass through the people. Watch this. Pass through everyone else that is stuck. Pass through everyone at work that is stuck with pessimistic thinking. Pass through everyone you know that is tied up in lazy living. Pass through everyone that has a bad attitude. Pass through everyone who is stuck. Take a look on the side screen. You cannot fit in and stand out at the same time. Fitting in is for timid high schoolers. It is not for you anymore. You are to be a person that passes through the rest. You cannot be like everybody else around you. If you are going to make a difference, you have to stand out. And you can't fit in and stand out at the same time. Pass through the rest of the people. You're not like them. You're not one of them. And if you don't, you will be stuck right there with them. Provide... Provide, prepare provisions for yourself. Prepare provisions for yourself. Now, it was God who had been preparing the provisions for the children of Israel for the last 40 years. Now, think about this for a moment. God was just dropping man out of heaven. Quail were flying over and boom, knock them down, eat some meat, there's some bread. There's a, there's a quail sandwich for you. How were they eating? How were they being provided for? God did it. God just dropped it on them. And now God says, okay, wait a minute. I need you to start preparing for yourself. What? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, prepare for yourself. Because the man is about to stop. And you're about to go to a whole nother level of blessings in your life that you've got to prepare for yourself. Interesting story in the book of the Bible. Back in the Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Samuel was born to Hannah. And God said, when Samuel is weaned off your breast, bring him to the temple that he might be trained as a prophet and to serve me his entire life. And he was. But he did not go further until he was weaned from what was feeding him in the past. Now, anytime there is a transition and a mother is weaning a child, there is emotional breakdown in the child and there is emotional breakdown in the mother. Because any transition revs up your emotions. But the mother is not mad at the child because she is no longer feeding him the way that she had fed him in the past. It's just that that child at nine and ten years of age can't still be hanging off his mama. Right? The child don't want it and the mama don't want it and the rest of us don't want to see it. Are you with me with that? So here we go. Just because God is feeding you a different way and one way stop does not mean that he's mad at you. It means that he's trying to get you where he wanted you to be all along. And that is to a new place where you are providing now for yourself along with his help. The stopping of the manna wasn't a sign. Uh, uh, the stopping of the manna was a sign that they were there. And you say, well, something has stopped in my life. Well, congratulations. It's God is finally getting you where he needed you to be. Take a look at this verse on the side screen, Joshua 5, 11. But no man appeared that day. They first ate from the crops of the land, and it never was seen again. Man, someone in this room needs to hear this. Uh, God's not mad at you because something in your life has stopped. 
or someone has stopped, or some job has stopped, or some person has stopped speaking into your life, or someone is dead now that used to be there that you counted on. God's not mad at you. It is a sign that God is about to take you to a new place of provision where you learn that even when he did what he did and now that he's going to do what he's going to do and you're in a transitional period, that it was always God that provided for you. It was always him that blessed you. You have successfully survived 100% of the worst days that you have ever been in through in your life. You've already got a track record. There are three stages of God providing for you. First one is, you're fed by the Father. You're fed by the Father. He just drops it on you. We had a granddaughter spend the night the other night, and the youngest one said, Pop, Pop, I'm hungry. In seven minutes flat, there was a plate of food in front of her. What'd she do for it? Nothing. I even cleaned up after her. She did nothing. But she was fed by the grandfather. There's a time in your life you were taken care of and you had to do nothing to get it. God took care of you. You're fed by the Father. Then you grow into maturity. You're fed by your faculties. You're thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why the devil attacks your mind. You need clarity. You need to be creative. You need to be assertive. You need to be clear. You need to be sober. You need to be alert. That's why you need to think. You can't waste time. You can't pour things into your mind or dumb yourself down with some kind of anything because you are going to be fed by your faculties. You've got, to be, you've got to compete against who? Against your enemy that's trying to keep you from it, and everybody else is trying to take it from you. So you go from being fed by the Father to being fed by your faculties. That's why the devil is attacking your head. So you can't come up with the next great plan that he's trying to get to you. And then you go from there to being fed by the fight. Jesus was fed by the fight. Who fed you, Lord? And I got food you don't know anything about. Who fed you, Samson? <laughs> I went a long way on a little bit of honey. We killed about a thousand Philistines. You're fed by the fight. There's been times in my life where I've been so tired, so exhausted, so beat down. I told Ann, I said, I got to get away for a couple of days. I got to go up on the mountain. I got to get in my Jeep. I got to do something. I, got, I need to rest. I just need to go to bed. I am so beat. And then the phone would ring, <laughs> and somebody made me mad. I didn't need to lay down. I didn't need to rest. I didn't need to have a meal. Oh, man, I just went on nothing but being fed from the fight. Every mama in here knows what I'm talking about. You're, doing, you're tired, you need a nap, and you let somebody in the neighborhood have a problem with your kid and cause a threat to your child. And you don't need a nap anymore, you need a bat. Dan reminded this, my wife is so timid and sweet, and I'm telling you, she don't raise her voice very often unless she's mad at me, little bit, but not very much. I mean, she just, she's a peaceful kind of a woman, she really is. But anyway, uh, Dan reminded us, so you remember when I was a little kid and I had a BB gun, dad gave me a BB gun, I was out shooting a BB gun, and a man in the neighborhood, an older man, brought me to the, to the front door, and he had a hand on my shoulder, and he brought me, he said, where do you live, son? And I said, I live over there, and, and, and Anna came to the door, and he said, mom, I'll never forget this, you came to the door, you saw that older man who was a stranger that you didn't know with his hand on my shoulder. And rather than hearing what he had to say about him be having a problem with me shooting my BB gun, you ripped into him 
Like, I mean, you ripped him. And I'm telling you, he was lucky and it didn't grab that BB gun and shoot him all the way down the sidewalk. Fed by the fight. Are you all getting it? You say, well, sometimes, Pastor, I'm tired and I don't want to fight. Well, it might just mean that you might need a fight. Because responsibility and love will put you back in the game when you've been sitting on the sideline too long. That's good right there. I'm just going to tell myself, Pastor, that's good. You had some good preaching right there now. Possess what God has given you. Possess what God has given you. The land is yours, but there's enemies in front of you. The deed's already set in heaven. The promises are locked in. The deed's signed and stamped. You just got to go take it. You just got to go take it. Take what? The abundant life, joy, happiness, a better marriage, more fun in the relationship, better finances coming into the house, less stress, less problems, more joy, more laughter, the abundant life. That's what he said. That's why he came. But you've got enemies in front of you. So they're not going to hand it to you. You got to take it. Pass through. Prepare for it. And go get it. Go get it. What? What's yours? I don't want anything that's not mine. That's covetousness. I want to know, God, is this mine? And I'm going to go get it. But they got it. Or they're in the way. I don't really care. I don't really care. God, is it mine? And if it's mine, then it's mine. Period. And I ain't playing. I ain't playing. When Ann and I built our last home, our last one, when the contractors, the subs had put up the two-by-fours, we went into the house and we took magic markers and we turned on worship music because the, 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 the framers... The framers were meth heads. They were meth addicts, without a doubt, and probably felons too. I don't know. But the music they were playing, I had to tell them several times, hey, hey guys, shut it down. We don't play music like that around here. That's not our music. You're not going to have things that are cussing God in music and do, 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 uh, putting down when we're not going to do that here. So I'm sorry, you can't listen to that music. I don't care if you work slower or not. You can't hear it in this house. So we already had a little bit of an issue, and so we wrote some scriptures, me and Anna, worship music, praying, breaking word curses. We went to all four points of our property. I dug a hole with a shovel, and we took stakes and drove, put scriptures on stakes and drove them down into the ground at the four corners of our property. And then we wrote scriptures on the walls. We wrote it on the floors before the hardwood was put in. We wrote it on the two-by-fours before the sheetrock was put up. And the next day when we came back, so our scriptures were written through and curses of God were placed on those two-by-fours. Now, they weren't placed on us. They didn't know us. They were scorning God on the walls of the interior of our house. So we did it again, watched as the, 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 the what do you call it, the sheetrockers came out and sheetrocked it in. And then after it was all over, prayed over it again, walked around it again, marched around it, marched around it, prayed, prayed, worship music coming, blasted. We did it all. 
Because one of the most important things in our life is the peace that we have in our house. We don't walk out of a room and leave a TV on, especially around Halloween. Because we don't want anything demonic being blasted into our house from a television set. I've got power over very few things that happen around me that other people do. But, but, but I also have a lot of power over that which I allow into my house through the television set. And Anne is a stickler at it. We walk out of a room, click, because nothing on a commercial or a movie is going to be blasted into our house. Because our house, it is so important that that is a place where we can retreat and we can refuel. And we can refresh. Because the last thing that I remember that God told me is if I want what he wants me to have, I'm going to have to fight for it. I... Uh, <clears throat> I love my God. I love Him. And I wish things could be easier. But I would get in so much trouble if things were easier. I need the fight. I wake up for the fight. If I'm feeling just a little bit lazy and a little bit down, attack somebody I love and see what comes out of me. And you know what I know about you? You are the same way. But these little transition times where you have gone from this area being provided by God, for by God, to this new thing that's a little scary, but it hasn't locked in yet, so you're in transition, can shake you to your very core. And some of you that have been bitter because something has stopped, it's only a sign that you are almost there. So my greatest advice to you would be this. Until God opens the door, everybody, you are loved. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970 245 
pray or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.